0: everyone, and welcome to the Think Orange podcast where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and the future of the next generation. I'm your host, Trey McKnight, and in this season of the podcast, we're interviewing some of our favorite people, the speakers that we're hosting at Orange Conference 2022. It's coming this April, and we're going to talk about what it means to be human and how our churches can better care for the humans in our communities Now, we're so excited for you to get to hear this conversation with our interviewer, Dave Adamson, and our guest, Mark Batterson. Mark Batterson is a New York Times bestselling author of 15 books, including The Circle Maker and Chase the Lion. He's the lead pastor of National Community Church, one church with multiple campuses. Now, NCC also owns and operates Ebenezer's Coffee House, the Miracle Theater, and the DC Dream Center. Mark holds a doctor of ministry from Regent University. He and his wife, Laura, have three children and live on Capitol Hill. We absolutely cannot wait for you to get to learn from him. Here we go. Here's what we know is true. You're listening to this podcast because
1: you believe in what you do as a ministry leader. You know that every early morning, late night, and meeting that could have been an email is so worth it. And when you believe in what you do this much, you do everything you can to make it better. You know that the mission is too important not to try something new. And that's why we created the Redesign Your Ministry to Last course from Orange Masterclass. Join Reggie Joyner as he unpacks the five essential values for your ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic, and innovative strategies to help you elevate them in your ministry. Start working on your ministry, not just in your ministry, today by going to orangemasterclass.com. Well, Mark Batterson, thank you so much for joining us on the Think Orange podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. How are you doing today? Well,
2: doing pretty good, doing even better. Uh, Excited about the conversation, and I love leaders, Dave, and I especially love leaders who think orange, and so here
1: we go. I love that. I love leaders who wear uh baseball caps. Don't you? There's just something about that. I really do. We yes, didn't even yes. we didn't even set this up. We didn't even like we didn't. We didn't text beforehand. We just happened to both what is yours? No, what's we, what's the WTD? Uh, the WTD is win the day, uh love recent it. book. And uh, we didn't even coordinate flat bill. Not even no. there.
2: Yeah. Amazing, right. Dave.
1: Nothing like yep. a good flat bill. Typically mine's backwards, but I wanted to try to be professional. That's, that's when you it. know somebody's professional is when they've got their flat bill on facing the right way.
2: <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, we are already in sync, be the a
1: good name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Mark, we, uh, you know, we're talking in the lead up to uh, Orange Conference, which is coming up pretty soon. Um, and the whole theme of that is the idea of being human. So I just wanted to kick off by asking, what, what does it mean to you to, to be human? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I like to start you know, off small, you know, really just ease you in. <laughs> yeah, right, absolutely. You know, I, I do, I don't want to, well, maybe I do want to get theological out of the gate. Yes. That, that I think, you know, what sets us apart as humankind is this image of God, the Imago Day. Mm. And, but, but I, I think it's more multidimensional than the average person thinks about. Hmm. Um, so, so in a sense, Dave, the, the the image of God in me greets the image of God in you. Yeah. Um, our theology of dignity, our theology of solidarity, like it comes from this Imago day. That's what makes you invaluable and irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, and and we don't have to we don't have to like rabbit hole this all the way down. But I, I do think the image of God is is what makes us unique or distinct yeah. from the rest of God's creation? And so, you know, there are little pieces of that where, yeah, I mean, animals may have hoarding instincts where you could say they're planning for the future, but not really, not in the way that we do. Yeah. I mean, we have this right brain imagination where we can dream the future. Yeah. Um, we we have this uh this sense of humor, which is a function of the medial ventral prefrontal cortex, uh <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the brain, which Mine allows us helped. to yes, absolutely, allows <laughs> us to find things funny. And so I would even argue that the sense of humor is even part of the image of God. Yeah. And so um, I think that the idea of being human are these different dimensions that set us apart. And and it starts right there with that uh image of God.
1: Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. Not only did you get theological, you got scientific on us as well. Um, I, right out of the gate, you're hitting us with everything. I, I absolutely love it. You said the word in there, as part of that answer, you said the word humankind. That just made me think, Mark, how, how important is kindness, the, the idea of kind to being human? Like we're meant to be kind to the people around us, right? So, so yeah. how important is that part of it? Yeah, thank you thank you for that
2: observation. Okay. I guess we're just staying in a theological lane right now because a huge part of my theology is this Romans two, where it says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The Hmm. way I read that is that when God wants us to change, of course, repentance, metanoia, change of mind, when God wants us to change, he, he doesn't, Threaten us, he, he doesn't blackmail us, he, he doesn't. Um, no, he shows us kindness, yeah, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Well, then, Mark, what if what if kindness doesn't work? I think he shows us more kindness and then more kindness. Now, I, I want to be careful here because certainly th- there is the, the justice of God, yeah, but but I think ultimately kindness is what changes people. Mm. And and so I, I think what you have happening in culture, yeah. and, and part of this part of this is you know average person spending 142 minutes on social media every day, <laughs> and, and I wish I could say that it was being really kind and nice and, and mm. encouraging and complimenting and lifting each other up, but the truth is. Um, we're all trying to yell louder than than everybody else and no one wins a shouting match. Yeah. And so I do think that that good old fashioned kindness has got to make a a comeback but not Agreed. just in the sense of of being nice. Yeah. I think it's one of the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. And so you, you know how how does that the holy spirit produce that that supernatural kindness. And by that, yeah. then, then then, now we're getting into the Sermon on the Mount where you love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and bless those who curse you. I think right. it's that kind of kindness. It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, man, we, we need
1: a bigger dose of, of that right about now. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're 100% right. Jesus takes the idea of kindness to a whole new level in the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's not just what we would define as kindness and and something you said really made me think through like you know god shows us kindness and that changes us the hebrew word for change i know you 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 gave us the greek word the hebrew word to means to do a 180 means to so when god shows us kindness we turn around and walk back towards god's kindness so that we get more of that kindness which makes us more human
2: yeah. Can, can we almost keep that train going down the tracks? Yeah. I, I love the end of Psalm 23, where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Mm. I, I really believe you can run from God your entire life. You can turn your back on God, go the opposite direction guess what? He's following you Mm. and he will continue to follow you. And if you turn around, what you're going to discover is a God with arms wide open, ready to love and embrace. And and so, I, I think this is really big. You know, a. W. Tozer said, "What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you." And mm. I, I think some people maybe maybe see a God who is retreating, arms crossed, you know, stern look on his face. Yeah. I, I see a God with a smile, with with in fact smile lines kind of right right there, yeah, on the yeah. face. and 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 a God who is open and embracing, who's sitting on the porch waiting for the prodigal to return. Yeah, and um. And I, I understand, we've got to understand that the full narrative of scripture and part of that is that progressive revelation of who God is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he, he has a father's heart yeah. and, uh, and he, is, he is kind and good and patient. And for sure, that,
1: man. I'm grateful. So good. Look, all that started from just the word humankind, right? <laughs> and look, we're already <laughs> yes. like 10 minutes in that, that has just flown by because of all of that. That's awesome. Hey, hey, Mark, so when it comes to Capital C Church, especially, what does it look like for the church to be more human? What, what does that look like? We're, we're called to, you know, we have to, we have to welcome in as, as the Capital C Church, as a community of faith, we have to welcome in humans. But wh- what do you think it looks like for the church to be more human?
2: Well, it, it probably looks a lot like Matthew twenty-five, uh, feeding the hungry, clothing mm-hmm. the naked, visiting those in prison. It's it's, and and the way that that uh, we come at it here in D.C. at National Community Church is we're not just trying to build a church; we're trying to bless a city. Our, our mm-hmm. theology of the city is Jeremiah twenty-nine: You seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Yeah. And, and there are lots of ways of doing that. Um, our, our DC Dream Center served 55,000 meals last oh, yeah. year as an expression of love. We have um, a lot of friends experiencing homelessness here in mm-hmm. the nation's capital. Well, we turn our coffee house Ebenezer's into something that we call the living room once a week. And yeah. we, we at least, hey, Let's get off the streets at least one night a week. And and someday, who knows, maybe we'll have a, a um, the affordable housing or, or a, a hotel, something that we can actually do something on a bigger scale. I, I think um, we resettle about 65% of the refugees in the D.C. area yeah. um, by furnishing apartments and giving them a place to live. I think that's what it looks like. It looks like the love of of God in very practical ways. The the caveat I would add there, Dave, is let's not leave the, the, that is an expression of the gospel, yeah. but, but let's not leave the fact that God wants to save our souls out of the mix either. Yeah. I, yeah. I think at the end of the day, you can meet physical needs, um, but maybe neglect the fact that a soul is still empty. And so, I, yeah. I think it's that both-and thinking, you know, Job 11, 6 says, true wisdom yeah. has two sides. And so, you, you've got you, to, the, the church, I think, is meant to be both-and.
1: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. It's it, it is the both the Matthew 25 stuff, but then also that soul thing, which the Matthew 25 stuff, it's it's all acts of kindness, right? That's literally what we're supposed to do. So yeah. if, could you imagine if the church, the capital C church, was a community of people who were literally going around trying to be kinder to people in the Matthew 25 way, that would make a difference in the world, right? It it really
2: would. And yeah. and all it takes. I think is a little bit of creativity. In fact, can I can I throw in a fun example? Um, you know, we we have uh, our, our church has benefited from uh, our friendship with with Reggie and the entire team at Orange for many many years. Yeah. Um, but there's a new expression of that when we built out a campus here on Capitol Hill when we designed our children's ministry space uh, we didn't de- just do it for Sunday use we designed it in partnership with uh, our friend Frank Beeler and yeah. our friends at, at Faze family yeah. as uh, because our mayor said we are we are tens of thousands of spots short when it comes to child care yeah. and so we thought let, let's meet a real need in real time. And by the way, at revenue streams too, which the church needs to think (laughs) about creatively there as well. But Dave, it's, it's this idea that all too often the church is answering questions that no one's asking. Or, or we're trying to meet needs that aren't really the felt needs or the things that people really okay. need. And so, I, I, a lot of pastors get A's or B's in biblical exegesis, but we get D's and F's in cultural exegesis. And we're not as good at identifying what, what, what is the average human yeah. <laughs> need. Yeah. And and by the way, we, we better pay attention right now to what's happening. So many people languishing. Uh, it's not mental illness, but it's not mental health. A, mm. a third of Americans anxious or depressed, according to the CDC. So, yeah. what we've got to prepare ourselves for is how do we meet some of those needs because- um, I believe a lot of those folks are going to come knocking on our door yeah. uh, as as time goes forward, and we've got to be prepared to to know where is the front. You know, if yeah. you're if you're in a battle, and can I can I say this that we are born on a battlefield between good and evil. Let's not mm. be naive. Mm. Um, there are powers and principalities. This is real stuff. Yeah. And and more and more. Wow. Can I just go off on a tangent? Yes, please. We need a supernatural demonstration of God's love and power. We need the activation of the gifts of the spirit. We we need to see God move in our generation, in our nation, and I don't think it's just going to be uh, a little bit better sound system. I don't think it's going to be a little bit better fog machine that's going to get us there. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a genuine seeking God first, yeah. um, humbling ourselves, hungering for His presence, for His word. Yeah. And that's what's going to usher in what, what I believe uh, and prayerfully believe is is the revival that uh, we really Uh, need as a church.
1: We believe the work you do on the front lines with kids and teenagers is the most important work in the world. Every meeting with a small group leader, email to parents and late night supply run matters because you're helping kids and teenagers develop an everyday faith. On average, you have about 40 hours this year to influence the faith of kids and teenagers who come to your programming. That means you need to be intentional about your messaging strategy. Orange Curriculum is a comprehensive strategy for birth to high school. Each age group curriculum not only provides you with strategic messages to engage kids and students with biblical truths, but also resources to help you train volunteers and partner with parents. To so start using Orange Curriculum to spend less time planning your message and more time doing what only you can do, building relationships. You can get started today at tryorangefree.com. That's tryorangefree.com. Dot com. Okay, so your tangent has me thinking of a thousand things I want to ask you now that probably go beyond the idea of being human, but they're all encapsulated in into that as well. First of all, um, you know, you, you talked a lot about um, you know the face center thing that you're putting together. What I love about that, and I want to marry this and get your your opinion on this. What I see you doing, like I've had a read of some of the stuff that you're doing around that face center. What I love about it is you're serving. The community on a daily basis. You're not just asking people to come to us on Sundays, you're connecting with them daily. And it reminds me constantly of Acts 2, 46 and 47, right? 47 says the Lord added to their number. And we all want that as church leaders. But 46 says... That happens when you meet together every day, right? So, mm. so how, how, how important is it to meet the needs of those humans in your context, in your community on a reg- more regular basis than just on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m.? Yeah, absolutely.
2: I, I think uh, what, what we've done unintentionally as churches, as pastors, is foster a spiritual codependency. Mm. And what I mean by that is this, you, you come to church on Sunday, check a box, and then you can check out Monday to Friday yeah, because uh, you, you got your weekly dose. When COVID hit, and, and it hit DC in a unique way where we literally could not gather for a year and two weeks because the restrictions here were a little bit greater than in some other places around the country. You know what we did is we started something called NCC Daily, which is a daily podcast. And and the motivation was the the only ceiling on your intimacy with God and impact on the world is daily spiritual discipline. So, let's focus on that. We created something called the Upper Zoom where we gather and pray Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday 714 a.m. It's about thinking. Outside the box and doing things that maybe are beyond just that that Sunday rhythm, yeah. but and it is it's getting back to that Acts two model. Yeah. One other thing that that we did was uh, here in the last year or two is create something that we called the Common Fund, which of course is inspired that they they held everything in common. They would sell their yeah. possessions and and give to those in need. Our our giving our giving. I'll just be very transparent. Yeah. Um, You know, I I know a lot of churches, like, you know, it's been an interesting couple of years. Yeah uh you know, our our giving for the first time in 26 years uh was down just a little bit in part just because of the turbulence that we've walked through. Not a lot, but a little bit. Yeah. But our people gave above and beyond the tide more than a million dollars to what we call a common fund. Wow. And that common fund, what we're doing is leveraging it. For maybe your more typical benevolence needs, but also we have a, a lot of refugees that might resettle here in the DC area or our friends experiencing homelessness, helping them get housing. We're we're trying to leverage it in a variety of different ways. And and it it's motivated by the fact that a church that stays within its four walls isn't a church at all. How do we hmm. get get outside, get in the community, and uh really be blessing people kind of in in very tangible? Ways,
1: yeah. Oh, wow! I love so much about that. Again, you you make me think of five questions every time you say a sentence, <laughs> um, which is which is a great thing for a podcast, right? Um, so, so you talked a little bit about, um, you, you know, having this common fund, and and I love that idea for for about twelve different reasons. But I, I want to drill down a little bit further. You know, you you guys closed down. You did do a lot of different things. The 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 upper Zoom, for example, the daily podcast, all of these things started to shift and you added these extra things to get out into the community a little bit more regularly. What do you think, based on that, on a big picture level, um, what do you think the Capital C Church needs to do to ensure that it's ready Uh, for the future moving forward? Like, do you know what I mean? Like you've just future proofed your church, in my opinion, by having all these extra little touch points. What do you think Mm -hmm. the church needs to do to prepare for the future that's coming?
2: Well, and, and, you know, anybody, Dave, it's almost like a trick question, um, right? Because anybody who really thinks they know the answer (laughs) probably is fooling themselves. So, you know, the first thing I would say is that it really is about being Spirit-filled, Spirit-led day after day after day and just trusting that somehow, some way, the Lord's going to lead us and guide us because, no mm-hmm. one could have predicted two years ago or four years ago the, the, the everything that's happened even in these last couple of years. So, yeah. I don't have, um, you know, I could give your standard answers like, you know, the church is going to be more hybrid, yeah. uh, you know, along with our in-person yeah. gatherings. And, and I do wonder if people who were coming three times a month are going to be coming twice uh, or yeah. people who were coming twice might be coming once. I yeah. I wish, and and unfortunately, statistics do indicate. You know, I think in the last year, uh, in person church attendance might yeah. be down something like twenty two percent, and and that might be conservative. Yeah. Um. And and don't maybe don't quote me on that. I'm not. I'm not Barna. Uh, yeah. So let go to Barna and double check. You can yeah. fact check me. Yeah. Um. But but my point is the one thing I would say is uh, every leader ought to have a few quotes that they quote all the time. Mm. Um, and I'll share a couple of mine and then I'll, yeah. and then I'll make the point. Uh, Oswald Chambers said, let God be as original with others as he was with you. Mm. And so, I think that sure. the the future for us is is going to look a little bit different. It might depend on whether you're urban or rural and And I could guesstimate. I could play kind of futurist, which i I kind of dig that stuff and say, "Hey, it's always a swinging pendulum." And so this swing towards the digital, guess what?" My hunch is that there's going to be a strong swing at some point back towards the analog and the in-person, in-touch. And so, those those would be hunches or guesses that I might have. But but the one thing, this one quote that I come back to all the time, R.T. Kendall said, sometimes the greatest opposition to what God wants to do next comes from those who are on the cutting edge of what God did last. That keeps me on my knees. Wow, That keeps me, and, and we have a core value at NCC. If you stay humble and stay hungry, uh, there's nothing God cannot do in you or through you. Um, yeah. I'll throw out one more thing. We we are less focused at this point on launching campuses and more focused on church planting. In fact, we're mm. we're creating a a network so to speak of not just churches but businesses that that we want to be in your corner. We we want to learn from each other. It's a collective. It's a dream collective. But but here's what I believe, Dave. I, sometimes people, you know, might might look at at the church that that I get to pastor, um, or even you know, and I and I I don't want to, I don't want to devalue the fact that I do have 26 years of leadership experience for better or for worse. I'm not, I'm not saying that there isn't value that I maybe can add to other people's lives, yeah. but I am keenly aware that innovation happens at the edges. So as we create this collective, I have more to learn from church planters. Mm than they have to learn from me I yeah. think yeah. Um, because I want to see wow. what is happening on the edges of the kingdom yeah. and and what we have to do better is um, open source and and share what we're learning and how we're growing but in order to do that, Dave, we would actually have to have relationships with other pastors and churches. Yeah. And so, one, one of the <laughs> things that uh, we we say all the time at NCC is it's not about the name over the church door. It's about the name above all names, hashtag same team. Mm. And so, I would just challenge us, let's build relationships. You know, just just recently, uh, we had about 50 pastors from across our city. Every ethnicity, every denomination, every size, you know, if you are preaching and practicing the gospel, we are yeah. on the same team. But By the way, um, we made a decision years ago that if anybody is planting a, a gospel-centered church in, in the D.C. area, we want to invest financially in that church plant wow. for two reasons. One, we want to be a shareholder in it, but two, and this is where I want to be human since yeah. that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I need to keep my heart in check. That that if I am investing in a church now, I have some treasure there, and my heart's there. Yeah. And now I care a little bit more about God. Now I can celebrate with you. Yeah. And uh, I, I think if if the kingdom could become a little bit less about that name over the church door, uh, we would advance in
1: some Amen. really in really powerful ways. Amen. Uh, so good. Hey, Mark, you. Um, what I loved about your answer is whenever I ask that question to people, right, and, and because I'm in the digital ministry space, I'm asking a lot of, you know, um, social media people, church online pastors, because that's my experience. Typically, the answers focus around virtual reality, maybe the metaverse and what Facebook is doing. But what I loved about your answer is it wasn't about a specific technology. It was about a way of thinking. It's about giving whatever that technology that comes in a year from now purpose. Too many people I think are, are trying to figure out what is that next thing, but if we knew that, I would have brought stocks in Zoom in February 2020, <laughs> and you know, I wouldn't be, I'd be, I'd be on in the Bahamas right now or something, you know what I mean? Yes. What I loved is there was a way of thinking, and it, you said some stuff that made me just feel like you what you're trying to do at, at your church is to give the technology a purpose, and that purpose is specific to reaching and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's that technology has a purpose and the purpose is to connect with the people who are in your local community. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, that's, that's um, spot on. And Dave, you, you, uh, you eat and breathe this stuff. So I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know, but this little device right here, it is uh, a, a discipleship device one way or the other. You are yeah. being discipled. Uh, you know, there there are algorithms that are being designed specifically for you. And and we all know it, but we are being, and so the question is then as a church, are are we leveraging it because everybody else is? Yeah. Um, and so, how can we how can we utilize it to really foster uh, discipleship? I you know probably for me, honestly, it's it's the Bible app and my daily Bible reading plan yeah. that uh, more than anything else that has that helped me kind of stay centered yeah. uh, as I try to lead through a, a really challenging cultural moment. And so, you know, that's a great example of yeah. man. Your phone can be your friend or, or your your enemy, and yeah. and uh, you know, you, you, it does have a do not disturb function. By the way, just just word to the wise. Um, yeah. But but you know, if, if you control it as opposed to it controlling you, then you can really
1: leverage it in some powerful ways. So good. I've always said that, uh, your your phone can either be a tool for distraction or a tool for discipleship. Um, but you have, there's an intentionality to it, right? Mm. I wanted to drill down on one, one more thing. When the pandemic hit, I was, I was, um, you know, I've been communicating with a lot of pastors and helping a lot of pastors around the world move to live streaming and, and all sorts of things like that. And, and one of the pushbacks, one of the fears that they expressed, Mark, was that if, if my people start watching church online, then they might watch Craig Rochelle, they might watch Mark Batterson, they might watch Andy Stanley or Steve Furtick, and then they're going to compare me to them. It was the comparison thing, Right. And one of the things I kept telling them is when it comes to social media, when it comes to online technology, content is not king. Context is king. Now, Mm. what I see you doing is leveraging your technology at your church for context. You're in the D.C. area. I see you doing this all the time. That's how it seems from the outside. How important is the context. We used to have dreams of, I go online and and I can reach people in Africa. And, uh, you know, we would always talk about the people who are around the world. But how important is it to leverage that online technology to reach the people in your local community where God has called you to serve? Because I know that's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, it's funny cuz now I'm having
2: flashbacks to uh hermeneutics in seminary <laughs> that uh text without context is pretext. Mm. Um, and it's not just a principle of hermeneutics, I think it's true when it comes to technology. Yeah. And uh I, I think it's so interesting, Dave, that that right now what I just I'm I'm really I our emphasis going into this year has been um Leading by context, not by yeah. command, but by context. Yeah. Uh, contextual leadership. There are a couple of Harvard professors who wrote a brilliant book about it a number of years ago that just kind of rocked my world. And I really believe the best leaders have this Issachar anointing. They, they understand the times and they know what to do because they, they get the context. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, I, I think that that is going to be key uh, leading into the future. And one piece of that, is just leveraging technology. One one of my favorite stories is, uh, you know, I think it was a $10,000 congressional appropriation way back in the 1890s that established uh, RFD, Rural Free Delivery. Yeah. And there were a couple of guys named uh, Sears and Ward, yeah. Uh, who who uh, created catalogs and saw a distribution system yeah. for their their products, and they became the second most widely read books behind the Bible in America. The Sears yeah. catalog yeah. and uh, Montgomery Ward's, and so I, I think it's the same thing now. How how do we leverage this for God's purposes? And mm. and the truth is th- that before anybody before anybody visits. Your church—they're gonna check you out online. There's totally. no way, cause and you do the same thing. You're if you're meeting someone, there's a good chance you might Google them. Yeah. Um, now, be be careful which link you choose because yeah. uh, I've got a few I wish I could get rid of because it's uh, it, it uh, not everything on the internet is true. But uh, you you know you you have to uh, all of us do this. We we kind of. We we digitally measure things first and get yeah. a feel for it. Um, yeah. I, I have a hard time believing anybody would pop into our, our church without first watching a message or at least going to the website and checking out some of our content and, and yeah. then and only then uh, coming to visit. So that is really our front door at this point.
1: Yeah, for sure. The, the front door of your every church is in people's pockets now, right? Um, yeah. Because that's just the way of the world. Hey, Mark, I, I want to really honor your time because I feel like I could ask you about 30 different things and you'll quote all sorts of studies and, and authors and everything back and add to the context. But I want to really be conscious of your time and, and honor that. So, I really got um, like maybe one more question for you. Um, if you could go back and if you could speak to you know younger Mark, you said you've been in, in ministry twenty six years. So if you could go back twenty seven years and speak to young human Mark, what advice would you give to him about ministry? Maybe even about like what's happened over the past two years. Is there anything that really stands out that you would you wish you had known and that you could mm-hmm. tell yourself twenty seven years ago? Well, I, I would. Uh, maybe share a couple of things.
2: Uh, At the beginning of the pandemic, we have an admiral who attends our church who uh, actually used to be the deputy homeland security counterterrorism advisor to the president. And so, uh, you you could say that he's pretty good at crisis uh, leadership. And I asked him the question, how do you lead through crisis? And I'll never forget his answer, Dave. He said, I reserve the right to get smarter later. And so I would tell my 22 year old self, just reserve the right to get smarter later. You don't have to have it all figured out. Mm. Um, by by the way, here's one of my other quotes. It's an Albert Einstein. Never lose a holy curiosity, and uh, that's that. that's one of my favorites. I would also say to to that 22 year old Mark Batterson, enjoy the journey. Yeah. Um, don't you know the the you're gonna there's gonna be setbacks. You'll but but. Really, success is well-managed failure. So, don't don't get too bent out of shape about mistakes made or or failure. And then maybe one other thing that I would drop on myself is uh, sin will complicate your life in a way that you don't want it to be complicated, but the blessings of God will complicate it. In a way that it needs to be complicated, yeah. um, and so I think a lot of people dream about more influence or making a bigger difference, and that's great if it's if it's a if it's not just your ego speaking; it's really a desire to advance God's kingdom. But but I would uh, I would remind us that the blessings of God will complicate your life, and so when, when I got married, yeah. it complicated my life. Praise God. Uh, we have three complications named Parker, Summer, and Josiah. I can't imagine my life without those complications. You know, when we went multi-site, it got a lot more complicated, Dave, but yeah. we were also able to reach more people. And so, you know, the the, the blessings of Lord uh, of the Lord will complicate your life, but smile, keep on keeping on, stay humble, stay hungry, and, and God might just do something that uh, you can't take credit for. I love that.
1: I love that. Hey, can I ask you one more question? Um yep. What has the last two years taught you about the importance of the Capital C Church staying connected with humans that for you is not going to be something that was just a pandemic thing, but we're going to continue to do this?
2: Yeah, well, a lot of people retreating to their echo chambers these days. And uh, doesn't sharpen iron in an echo chamber. (laughs) <laughs> it sure doesn't. Um, and so, you know, I, I think uh, we've got to be careful not to just retreat and create our own wonderful subculture. Mm-hmm. I We're, we're dreaming uh, for revival, reformation, and renaissance. And, and what I mean by that is this, like, Come on, let's walk into the Areopagus in Athens and let's compete for the truth. Let's write better books, make better music, produce better films, draft better legislation, start better schools. How? With the help of the Holy Spirit. Let's Mm -hmm. compete uh, for the truth of the gospel. And uh, and so, may, may the Lord um, wake up, shake up uh, His church just a little bit to realize that, you know, and, and this might be a good kind of landing strip for us, Dave. I always go back to something Jesus said. He said, I will build my church. He didn't say I will build your church. He didn't say you will build my church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I, I, I believe God's kingdom is coming. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Yeah. And uh, we've just got to stay calm, carry on, and keep serving him. And some good things are going to happen if, if we uh, practice a little bit of long obedience in the same direction.
1: Mark Patterson, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about what it means to be human, but also how to connect with other humans. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Hey, joy and privilege is mine, Dave, and uh, excited
0: about seeing everybody at Orange Conference. Well, thank you so much to Mark for joining us on the podcast Uh, Now, if you enjoyed listening to this conversation, you can purchase Mark's book, Win the Day in the Orange Store. Just go to orangestore.com, or of course you can find that wherever books are sold. And we'd also love for you to leave us a review. That's super helpful for us. Uh, We love this particular review by Eswan. They said, "'This is so fun. "'I've enjoyed each episode so far "'and have been learning a lot. "'Also super entertaining.'" Well done, guys. Well, thank you, and thank you for the review. Now, we cannot wait for you to join us at Orange Conference 2022. We want you to be there with us so you can join the conversation and we can continue learning what it means to be human together. So if you want to be there with us, and I guarantee you don't want to miss it, go to theorangeconference.com to save your seat. I promise you, it's going to be an Orange Conference like you've never seen it before. That's all for this time. We will see you next time right here on the Think Orange podcast.